Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be in this place. We thank you for the opportunity to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to sing praise to your name. You alone are worthy of our praise. And so we honor you, Lord Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, ruler of this world, conquering King. We honor you today, suffering for us on the cross. We thank you for the opportunity we have together and to sing praise to your name. May you be pleased with our praise today. May it come from hearts, genuine hearts, committed to follow you, who love you so greatly for all you've done for us. Now today, Lord, we pray that as we open the Word of God, that you might give us just for a few moments here today in the middle of our busy weeks and all the distractions and despair and troubles and victories and all the emotions, good and bad, that have come into our life and experiences that have come into our life. May we today see your great purposes are being accomplished in our life, whether the good or the bad has come in our life. It all works together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. <clears throat> May we learn today the great truths of the Lord Jesus Christ as He teaches us from the Gospel of John. May they have a lasting effect upon our lives. We thank you now for this opportunity to study your word together. May, may you open our eyes to see wonderful things out of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning to all of you. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you in our uh, 1030 worship service. And God bless you for being with us these days. We are in the Gospel of John. I'd like for you to find your place in the Gospel of John. John chapter 12, our boys and girls who are here. I'm always so glad our boys and girls are here bringing your Bibles so that you can follow along and uh, hear what Pastor Mike has to say today about these very important truths from Jesus Christ that last from generation to generation. <clears throat> oh, how wonderful Vacation Bible School has been what a delight it's been for our church again to sponsor so many parents brought their boys and girls many um, who are not who do not attend church anywhere we're delighted to have uh, children from the community uh, uh, and uh, again thank you to all of our workers and to uh, Ann Petty and to Elizabeth Godwin I think we should say thank you to them as their leaders of Vacation Bible School <clears throat> I didn't get the latest report, but we share the gospel the last few days of Vacation Bible School with the older boys and girls. And, and Brother Ken was telling me after the first day, we had uh, over 14 boys and girls who were uh, talking with Ken and the others about receiving Christ. I think that's a wonderful report for us. Did you hear me? 14 boys and girls. <clears throat> that's what it's all about. So today we come to John chapter 12, a very important turning point in the Gospel of John. <clears throat> Please excuse me. So as we come to this place in the Word of God, we see this, this crucial change that's about to take place. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus has for the first 12 chapters, <clears throat> John lays it out for us been seeking to demonstrate His own glory as the Son of God to the Jewish people. Some believe, but the vast majority chose not to believe. And so we've, uh, if you take the Gospel of John, you can place it into three sections. 
where Jesus Christ in chapters 1 through 12 demonstrates His glory as the Son of God uh, by His words and His deeds and His life to the Jewish people. Then we find, as we'll start to look next week in John chapter 13 through 17, the Lord Jesus demonstrates His glory, displays His glory as the Son of God to His disciples. And then uh, these wonderful, wonderful truths that we've looked at many times in John chapter 18 through 21, Jesus Christ displays Himself as Son of God in His suffering on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Praise the Lord. So today we come to John chapter 12. Last week, just as a reminder, we were looking in John chapter 10. I'll read it for the sake of time. The Lord Jesus, truly, truly are these words we're looking at, these truths that last. Truly, truly, John 10, 7, Jesus said to them, speaking to the Pharisees who were not being true, thank you, brother, who were, who were, who were not being true shepherds uh, to God's people, He said, to them, I am the door of the sheep, verse 7. He said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own. And my own know me. So then we come today to, uh, in, in, uh, so in John chapter 11... We discover this amazing story, boys and girls, maybe you've never heard this, but Jesus Christ comes and He raises a man who'd been dead for four days. He'd been dead for four days. He brought him back to life. His name was Lazarus. He was a friend to Jesus and He was a friend. His other friends were His sisters, Martha and Mary. He brought, he brought Lazarus back from the dead and many believed and others went to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were very concerned about this final miracle. Oh, what crass, hard unbelief that a man could be physically raised from the dead, and these Pharisees still refused to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they sought to kill Him. And all through chapter 11 we read that finally the Lord Jesus had to hide Himself. But now He appears in John chapter 12, uh, coming to a dinner with his uh, friend Lazarus, who's been raised from the dead, and Mary and Martha in Bethany. And it was six days, I'm reading from John 12, 1, it was six days before the Passover. We're now entering into the final week of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will call it in just a moment, <clears throat> the hour of His glorification. The final week, <clears throat> final week of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they have this party and they celebrate and they have this time together and Mary anoints the Lord Jesus' feet with, with uh, perfume and the perfume filled the home and she wiped His... What a, what a humble way to worship the Lord Jesus, uh, anointing His feet, pouring uh, this perfume on His feet and then wiping gently, lovingly, uh, drying His feet with her hair. But then we begin and we pick up and we'll read a beginning in verse number 12 of John 12. On the last day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of the palm trees and they went out to meet Him and began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. 
Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, and as it is written in the Scriptures, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did, not understanding at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, look at this now, they continued to testify about Jesus. For this reason also the people went and met him, met the Lord Jesus, because they heard that he had performed this sign of raising Lazarus from the dead. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're not doing any good. Look. The world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks, these are Gentiles, among those, among the Jews, who were going to worship at the festival, at the feast of Passover. Now these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and he told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, they came and told Jesus. Now we come to the very important words of the hour. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He's saying these things to his disciples. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word, these blessed words of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher now. May we have focus and understanding to your truths today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our focus this morning is this. Boys and girls, we always have a focus around what we'll look at now from these words. And here's our focus uh, today. This is what I want to talk about. Jesus Christ, death on the cross, glorified God bringing salvation to the world. Jesus Christ's death... On the cross, glorified God, bringing salvation to the world. So today we look at these words, and what does Jesus Christ say in verse 23? He says something unusual. He says something because of what's happened already. And I have four observations that I want us to see from these verses today. And these verses uh, that I'm going to comment on, this will take us back through the verses, so keep your Bible open. Follow along with me. I'll make some comments on them as we go. 
Today we consider the glory of God as it is revealed in the death of Jesus Christ. The greatest act of glorifying God occurred when Jesus Christ died for sinners on the cross. I say to you, the greatest act of glorifying God is the willingness and surrender of Jesus Christ to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And Jesus said, the hour has come, the Son of Man is to be glorified. And then He says in verse 28, Father, glorify Your name. We see here, first of all, that there is glory. The glory of God is seen in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Now I'm going to comment on that for just a moment. The glory of God, the grand and great glory of God is seen in that Jesus Christ is the Savior of every single person in the world. He died for the world in order that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. John said the same in John chapter 1 when he's talking about the Lord and he's talking about this fact, but as many as receive Him from the world. He died for everyone, but as many as receive Him. To them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. He came to His own, John 1, 11. His own did not receive Him. But you see, to as many as who will receive Him. Oh, the glorious death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died. We beheld His glory, John says to us. He's describing what the disciples saw. I'm going back, John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. They saw how the, war, how the Lord Jesus lived. They heard what the Lord Jesus said, and they saw what the Lord Jesus did. His mighty works that demonstrate that He was God in flesh, and that He was seeking to glorify God. God's greatest act of glory comes in the person of Jesus Christ. So today we are, we are faced and confronted with the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That causes you to bow. That causes you to surrender. When you see and recognize the true glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes the way you live. And so today, Jesus Christ's death on the cross first demonstrates the glory of God in Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world. I'll comment on that. Secondly, the glory of God is seen in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, as He says in these words, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, unless, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then we will see today that the glory of God is seen in the fruitfulness that came as a result of Jesus' death on the cross. And many in this room are a part of that great fruitfulness because you have believed in the Lord and been saved. And finally, the glory of God is seen in the Lord Jesus' surrender. His surrender in willingness to die for us on the cross. We will approach and come to the table of the Lord in just a while. And we will come remembering the Lord Jesus' death. We could not have had a 
better timing for these things today to demonstrate this great truth of the glory of God being seen in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice what's happening here. Oh, the clamor, the noise. You're being very kind to me. You're being very respectful. You're listening today as I try to speak to you, and I appreciate that. But these days in which Jesus came into Jerusalem, it was noisy. It was dusty. He's climbed up on a donkey's colt and he's going through a mass crowd and they're laying down. Oh, the Jewish people had heard. The word was out. The buzz was out. This large crowd, I'm reading in verse 12 of chapter 12, this large crowd, they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They were prepared on that narrow road that led up the hill going into Jerusalem. And they took branches of palm trees, verse 13, and they met him. And what were these Jewish people saying? They were shouting, they were welcoming, they were pleading for salvation from the King of the Jews, Jesus Christ. They cry out, Hosanna. The word Hosanna means propitiate. It means save us. Hosanna. Save us. I want you to think about this, my friend. That in the midst of all of these religious wicked people who would not believe, who were refusing and stayed in their sin, now the crowd rises and the Jewish people, they cry out, Save us. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And then along with them, this crowd is gathered. Verse 17, these other Jewish people who are coming along in this entourage of Jesus and his disciples going up the hill as the Lord rides. They're telling everyone along the way that Jesus Christ had raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus in the crowd. And there they go. The buzz is alive that Jesus Christ, the one who raises the dead... And the one who had been raised from the dead was with him as they go up to Jerusalem. And the people are telling. And all of a sudden, we find this glorious picture that the Pharisees say, Well, what's happened? The world has gone to him. The world has gone to him. It's too late. We can't stop it. The world has gone after Jesus. And then, just as another illustration of His greatness as Savior of the world, these Greeks come, these Gentiles, who were there for Passover, God-fearers. They come and they say, Sir, we would see Jesus. They ask the disciples, so now you have this great and glorious picture of what has occurred since the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for millions and millions and millions of people, generation after generation. The world has come to Jesus Christ. They have come to Him, Jews and Gentiles alike, making one body, a new, a new people of God, as the Lord spoke about, as He spoke about being the great shepherd. And now they have come, and as a result of it, I cannot help but think of these beautiful pictures and these words that are repeated over and over in John about Jesus Christ. The glory of God is that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior of the world. Listen to this. He is the true light coming into the world. He enlightens every person. John 1.9 
He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, John 3.16. God sent His Son that the world might be saved through Him, John 3.17. Jesus Christ is the light come into the world, John 3.19. The Samaritans declared when they spent time with the Lord Jesus in John 4. We talked about this. Here's what they said. The Samaritans, they declared, This one, Jesus Christ, truly, are you listening? Is the Savior of the world. He gave His life for the world. The bread of God comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. He gives His life for the world. John 6.51 I am the living bread. The bread which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. John 8.12 I am the light of the world. And then what did John say in his little letter? 1 John 2 He says He is the propitiation for our sins, but not only for our sins, are you listening? But also for the sins of the world. 1 John 4.14, we have seen and testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. This is our task. This is what we're reminded of here as the Lord rejoices because now He declares the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus Christ, the greatest and grandest description of the glory of God, listen, is that He would die for rebel, wicked, godless people who do not believe in Him. The door of salvation is open to all because Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. But see, we go on. This has reminded the Lord. He's seen it as they've all come. The Jews crying, save us, O Messiah. And the Greeks, oh, just like those, uh, just like those Gentile wise men came from the east to worship the Lord Jesus Christ at His birth. Now we find these, these Greeks, these Western Gentiles who show up to worship and to inquire and to meet the Lord Jesus Christ before His death. You see, the glory of God is seen in the death of Jesus Christ. He says something here that we must think about. I want you to look at it carefully with me. How is God glorified in Jesus Christ? Well, it's through death. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 24, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The hour has come. The hour, of, the hour of suffering is now upon Him. The hour of glorification was tied to the hour of suffering. And that hour of suffering is now to start taking place and being revealed over the next five days. The Lord Jesus Christ will be, will be beaten to a pulp. He will be lacerated. His blood will be poured out. He will be ridiculed and mocked. He will be lied about. He will be brought up for false charges. He will be brought into puppet courts. He will be lied about. Soldiers will mock Him. Finally crucified on a Roman cross. 
The death of the Lord Jesus Christ is the grain of wheat falling into the earth and dying. And because He died, He glorified God. This hour becomes many hours of suffering. Many hours of suffering. Christ's death was necessary for eternal life. Because unless the Lord Jesus dies, are you listening? There is no life. Unless Jesus Christ dies, we cannot have freedom from our sinfulness and our deadness and be brought to life. Truly, truly. It's why he says it this way. Unless. It is absolutely necessary. Christ's death was the ultimate act of glorifying God. This is what he came to do. This is why he is here. He goes on to say this very thing. In verse 27, my soul has become troubled. But what shall I say? Save me from this hour, Father? No, but for this purpose I came into this world. You see, the glory of God is seen in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. The glory of God is seen in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for, for sin and the sinfulness of all the world. And the glory of God is seen in the fruitfulness of Christ's death. The fruitfulness of it. You see, if this seed dies, it bears fruit. He goes on then to describe the fruitfulness that comes. You know what it is? It's in the followers of Jesus Christ. You who are here today, who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are, you are a part of the fruit, the glorious fruit that has come through the death of Jesus Christ. You see, He died, and as a result of dying, as many as will receive Him. It doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how old you are, as many as receive Him. Oh, how they cried out, save us, and the Greeks said, bring us to Jesus, and now the Lord says it, if the grain of wheat dies, then there is fruit. You see, there's this joy that the Lord knows in this because it is the promise that will come because His work will be successful. The death of Jesus Christ will have results. I don't have a lot of time to develop this, but in the prophecy of the suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53, 10 and 11, I'll just read it, but the Lord was pleased to crush him. That's what happened to Jesus Christ. God crushed him for the sin of the world, putting him to grief. But he will see, he, the one who is crushed, will see his offspring. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it, and be satisfied. The Lord Jesus had said earlier in John 6, 39, This is the will of Him that sent me. Of all He has given, I shall lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. And in Hebrews chapter 2, that great celebration of the Lord Jesus' death on the cross, He says, Behold, I and the children you have given me. This is the great wonder of being saved. You are a part of the great fruitfulness of the Lord's death. You see... He describes what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Verse 25, He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. May I say this to you today, friend? You cannot be saved unless you're willing to deny yourself and follow Jesus. You cannot be saved. You might be religious and you might know things about God, but the Lord Jesus tells us if you love your life, you lose it. You try to hold on to it, you lose it. 
And the Lord Jesus makes it clear that this is the fruit. This is the fruit that comes. Those who are His, those who believe in Him, hate their life in this world. That doesn't mean they hate themselves. That means that they look at their relationship to God and everything else. Their love for Him makes everything look like hatred. He who loves his life loses it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. But he goes on. Look at verse 26. If anyone serves me, do you say today you serve Jesus Christ? If anyone serves me, listen, he must follow me. And following Jesus Christ leads first to you dying to yourself. Taking up your cross, surrendering yourself, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, and going and doing whatever God calls you to do. So the glory of God is seen, first of all, in that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. The glory of God is demonstrated in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of God is seen in the fruitfulness of Christ's death on the cross. And finally, I finish with this. The glory of God is seen in the surrender of Jesus Christ, His agony. Now there is an emotion of sorrow. Now there is an awareness of what this really means That he must be glorified. How was he glorified? Listen. Because he died. He must die. The glory of God was seen in the death of Jesus Christ. My soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? He knew what was ahead. Being the son of God. My soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? But then he says to the heavenly father. Father save me. From this hour. And then what does he say? Oh, the demonstration. This is the way we learn to glorify God. Listen, we follow the example of the Lord. He said, glorify your name. Glorify your name. And here we have the third time. This is a miracle, amazing thing. At this very point, we have the third time where God audibly speaks into the world to Jesus Christ, and it is heard by others. Not for the Lord's, not for the Lord Jesus' reason does God speak audibly, but for those around. When he was baptized, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. At the transfiguration, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain, and he was transfigured in glorious light, and the glory of him being God was seen by these men. Uh, God speaks again and says, this is my beloved son. Listen, hear him. And now look what happens. Father, glorify your name, verse 28. And a voice came out of heaven and said, I have both glorified my name and I will glorify it again. How? Through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. His complete surrender. Father, glorify your name. I must lay it down if I'm going to follow Jesus. I must surrender. There is no, listen, there's not anything you can surrender of that matches the surrender of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Do you know that? God the Father honored Him and the Lord says, this voice is not for my benefit but for your sake. And now, here's the declaration, verse 31. Judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out. 
and the great promise, if I be lifted up, that's what I've been doing this morning. I'm seeking to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by again pointing you to His death. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. The glory of God in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So what would I say to you as we finish today? Well, Christ glorified God by His death for, sins, for the sins of the world. And Christ's death for sin provides life for those who will believe. Believers glorify God and produce spiritual fruit when they lose their life for Christ. That's what we're here to do. Be fruitful, lose your life. God honors those who serve and follow Jesus. And so how do we, how do, we do this? What do we do? Well, we take up our cross and we deny ourselves and we follow Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be saved. This is what it means to be saved. It is to deny yourself. To take up your cross, to die, and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus wherever He leads you. And remember this, my dear friend, as we finish. Glorify Him by dying to yourself in complete obedience to Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The old hymn says, must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free. And then go home my crown to wear for there's a crown for me.